Hi, and welcome to Northampton Bible Church's podcast. We are glad that you're here today. If you'd like to learn more about Northampton Bible Church, you can check us out at nbchurchcf.org. You can also interact with us on social media at nbchurchcf. And now, here's today's message. We, are, we have a lot to get through today, a lot to, to dig into. We are beginning our Supernatural series, uh, uh, if you are uh, interested in angels and demons and heaven and hell and spiritual warfare, then you are in the right place because we're going to, we're digging into that this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you go to 2 Kings chapter 6, we're going to look there for a second this morning as we continue on. Uh, there's a lot of information and we also have communion today, the first Sunday of the month. We, uh, we have communion and so that's a time where we remember uh, what Christ has done for us and, and that's that also sometimes we're going to try to cram a lot of stuff uh, into this time right before we, we partake of communion. Uh, and as you can see in your notes, hopefully you have notes, uh, there's a lot to, to talk about. It's like drinking from a fire hose. Have you ever tried to do that? Um, it doesn't work out very well usually. It's just a lot of information coming at you. But uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, one of the things I want to tell you too is there are Bibles in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you need a Bible, you know someone who needs a Bible, uh, I encourage you to take that with you. Uh, we also have these right here that are up front here that are more softbound Bibles uh, that maybe you don't want the black hardbound pew Bible to take with you, but you can take one of these as well. Uh, whatever you need, we want to get the Word of God into your hands. Uh, we know that you can uh, have an app on your, on your phone and we can get all that, but there's something different about just uh, having the Word of God in your hands. So Second uh, Kings chapter 6 is where we're going to begin because what we're going to see through this series is uh, that there is a God of this world who wants to destroy us, a lowercase g God, Satan, who wants to destroy us. Uh, but there is an all-powerful God, uppercase g, uh, that really loves you and is in control of all things and is w- way more powerful. And we'll see that through this series. Uh, we're going to be looking at some things that maybe will challenge what you think about angels and challenge what you think about demons. Uh, and I, my hope and my prayer is that the things that you discover as a result of looking at the Bible, as a result of looking at the Word of God, when, when what you believe or have been taught or thought about doesn't align with what God's Word says, you'll say, all right, I'll trust what God says and not what I've been taught or what I believe. So hopefully that doesn't scare you too much, but uh, we've all grown up that way. We've all grown up with believing certain things or even wanting certain things to be a certain way, even though maybe God doesn't say that that's the way that they are. Uh, and so I just I hope that your mind will be open to what God has to say, and I pray that uh, that the, that God would keep your eyes open to what's going on. I take you to Second Kings because there's an incident here where the king of Syria is doing uh, standing up against uh, the people of Israel, the, the children of God, uh, causing them lots of, of pain and trouble and. Uh, and what you have is uh, God giving Elisha, the prophet of God, a lot of insight, and he would be able to go and tell the people of Israel, hey, this is going to happen, and it would happen, and they were like, what's going on? How, why do you even know that this is, this is even happening? And, uh, and so what, what begins to happen, if you look at verse 15, things are about to go down. It says, when the servant of the man of God rose early, so the servant of Elijah rose early in the morning and he went out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots were all around the city. And so this, this servant goes out and he sees uh, just this craziness of all these horses and chariots. Like, we're, we're going to be dead in a matter of minutes. He says, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elijah said to him, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us 
are more than those who are with them. And at that point, the, the servant's looking around like, um, it looks like it's just you and me. Like, what are you talking about? And so Elijah prayed, verse 17, and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that we may see. And so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And I think what we find in our own lives, which I think is true, and at least it's true in my life, is I don't think about the spiritual realm that much. That there is a battle going on, there are, are beings that we can't even comprehend all around us that, that if we were to have our eyes open, we would be kind of like, whatever that word is, that's, we, would be just, we would be taken aback, we would not even know what to say or what to do, that, that there is a battle raging as we speak. And it's something that we need to understand, and my hope and my prayer is that we pull back the veil. That we be able to look at the Word of God and say, this is what God has to say about these things. And that wherever we misalign with the Word of God, that we say, God, help me to change my heart. Help me to understand what you're saying. Help it to make sense. We're going to be really digging into this series. It's going to be kind of a one-on-one level. If you went to college at all or you know what I'm talking about, it's kind of like this high level. Uh, we're going to look at these things and we're going to look at a lot of information. This is somewhat different than what we would normally do on a Sunday morning, but I feel like it's, it's important that we understand what God's Word has to say. Uh, I created the study guide in such a way that you can go back uh, yourself and even dig into these passages more We'll look at a few of them as we walk through this, but that you could use this as a guide, guideline to be able to go back and look up Job and see what Job has to say and, and look up Psalm 148 and understand what, what's being said there. Uh, so trying to give you just a bunch of information this morning. I believe a lot of questions will be answered. I think things will make sense, uh, but there's still much more that you can get into, more, more that you can do. I want to give you some stats today. Uh, you might fall into these statistics. Let me uh, do that and do that. We're here. There we go. Some stats about angels. If I get to the right one, we'll be good. 69% of Americans believe in angels. Uh, that's pretty straightforward. 48% believe that we have guardian angels. And we're going to talk about guardian angels for a minute, uh, a little bit. Uh, so think about that. And 32% of, of Americans have felt an angelic presence in their life at some point. And so you may fall into one of these categories. You may say, yeah, I'm part of that, that something percent. Uh, I believe in this or I believe in that again. Uh, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to say that there are things that, have, that I was challenged with as I study this and say, do I really, I've been taught this or I believe this, but what does God have to say? And just a little plug even in that regard, um, as, you, uh, as, you, as you encounter the Bible, as you encounter the Word of God on anything, whether it be angels or whatever, that you need to look at it critically and say, does my life line up with it? And if it doesn't, then my life needs to change. My, my, the way I think needs to be changed by God to begin to think like He does. And so we're going to look at the angels and what they are and what they do and how we relate to them and those kind of things this morning. Uh, many of us have probably have our understanding of angels from media or movies. Uh, maybe you believe that you've been touched by an angel. I mean, that's a show that some of you might remember. Uh, angels earning their wings every time a bell rings, right? You know, Clarence, is that who it was? Clarence? Uh, even movies where angels say, I'm going I'm to stop being an angel and become a human so I can be with the one that I love, my lifelong love, and things like that. I think what you need to understand is a lot of those things are Hollywood things, and they're not biblical things. And we're going to look at that this morning. Because if I haven't said it enough, I'll say it one more time, and, and we're going to continue on. But the Bible is our guidebook. The Bible is the source of truth. That we look at Scripture for truth, not just a truth, not just 
Uh, some of it, one of the things too that I hope that we battle against, not only through this series, but all that we do, is sometimes, and you might be this yourself, and say, well, I choose to believe like this stuff, but when you get to this stuff, like I don't really believe that, and I really don't believe this, but I really believe that. The way that we understand scripture is we need to believe it all. We need to, to embrace it all. We need to understand what God is saying, and we need to hold, hold to it wholeheartedly. Not just, well, you know, I believe some of it. We need to believe it all. We need to be all in. You ready? Anybody starts to, if anybody starts to fade, just give them an elbow. Here we go. Definition of angels. You don't have to fill anything in, but angels are created spiritual beings with moral judgment, high, intelli- high intelligence, uh, but not physical bodies. That's right at the top of your, um, your notes. But angels are messengers. So think about that. Remember that. It's important that angels are messengers. So what our angels are, that's our first step, what they are. They're created spiritual beings. Uh, if you look back at Genesis chapter 1, uh, God created, they're part of that creation with angels, uh, with, the, with uh, all of creation, I should say. Nehemiah chapter 9 says, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all of their hosts, and the host of heaven worships you. So one of the things that I want to be clear about as we begin is that, that angels are angels and humans are humans. Nobody in this room, as I understand Scripture, will become an angel at some point. You're, like, you're not going to earn your wings. You're not going to be one of God's angels. You are going to be you. You are a human being. Uh, because they're totally separate creations. They're distinct creations. Uh, God sent Jesus to die for us. He didn't send Jesus to die for angels. Very distinct that you understand that and that, you, that, that makes sense to you. Uh, the Bible is also clear as we go on that the, it doesn't give a clear number of how many angels there are, but there's a lot of them. Let me get to the right there. Hebrews chapter 12 says, But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. That there are innumerable. You can't count them how many angels there are. Revelation chapter 5 says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. That there are thousands upon thousands upon millions upon... You can't count them all. A few more facts about angels because this also becomes important as we talk about demons next week. Uh, Even maybe mess up your theology a little bit about Satan because Satan is a fallen angel. He's not equal to God. He's not God. He is an angel. Uh, but that, that uh, angels can only be at one place at one time. That they're seen, they're depicted in Scripture as traveling from place to place. They're not, just, they're not omnipresent. Uh, they're spirit beings, unless they take on uh, human form, but they don't have bodies. They, we might perceive them or see them, uh, but they're, only, they're, really, they're invisible. Angels are very powerful. They're eternal. They will never die. They have free will. Uh, they can choose to sin and fall away. And again, we'll talk more about that next week. Let me give you some, uh, again, a lot of information. We're going to stop along the way here. But some other names for angels, some other uh, things you might encounter in Scripture. I'll give them all at once. Uh, In Job, it talks about sons of God. In Psalm, it talks about holy ones or spirits or watchers or powers. And if I haven't said it enough already, keep in mind that this is just the high points. This is just, as you look at that, uh, my hope and my prayer is that you go back and you look at these things and you dig into it and say, what does God's Word say? Uh, what does that mean to me? How does that make sense in the scope of all things that we're, we're studying? 
Uh, there are two types of angels. You guys know what they are? There's good and bad. Good and evil, which are angels and demons, as we would, we would say. Pretty deep, I know. We know from Scripture that they're highly organized. Colossians 1 talks about thrones and dominions and rulers and authorities. Uh, it also talks in later in other places about archangels. Archangels are really these high-ranking angels that they're somehow organized, and we see in Scripture archangels and other angels, and then we see different uh, names for different kinds of angels, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but they're considered, these archangels are considered to have some higher-ranking authority in the angel realm. So here we go. Hopefully you're, you're following along. Cherubim. Are, there's, two other, there's other angelic creatures. The cherubim. Have you heard of the cherubim? Good. Genesis, when Adam and Eve were, were uh, taken out of the Garden of Eden because of sin, there were cherubim. They were, they were put to block them from going back in. Uh, they are mentioned as enthroning the throne, of being around the throne of God. They are mentioned as God's chariot. Uh, even on the ark, there were golden cherubim that were created for that, and they're seen as powerful guardians. And not only are there cherubim, but there are seraphim. And seraphim, one of the passages that I really, really, really like in Scripture is Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to look at it, but as you think about it, you get a glimpse of the throne room of God. In Isaiah chapter 6, you can turn there, but I'm going to put it on the screen. That Isaiah gets a glimpse of the throne room, and it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, and said Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And I'm always blown away by that passage, and there's a passage in Revelation where you kind of get this glimpse of what it is to be in God's presence. And if you didn't catch it, often and all the time that I know of, when you see in Scripture, you see angels, uh, they don't come and sing, they say, they speak. You know, there's not necessarily a rock band up there like, hey, let's sing. Like they're calling out to one another and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty or the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And I can't even understand that. I can't even, like you try to, you try to make a mental picture of that and it just, it's just, you can't get it. That there are these beings that have wings that cover their, their faces and they cover their feet and they fly around and all that they do is say, holy, holy, holy. And what I'm blown away by the fact is that when we come together and we understand that worship is, is what we do and it's who we are, but part of worship is, is singing together and, and yet they may not be singing, but when we come together and we sing, that we join in with these beings, that all that they do is praise God. I mean, can you, to just take that in, that if you're honest, sometimes you wonder, okay, for all eternity, we're going to, like, what? Like, I'm going to be, what? And that's usually the selfish side of us, that here is this perfect holy God who loves me. And that there are these beings that exist that all that they can do is just say how holy God is. And we look at our watch. We're like, oh, when is this going to be over? 
And yet there's these creatures that we can't even understand that, that, that just worship God. And so they're cherubim and they're seraphim and they're living creatures. Uh, they're mentioned in Ezekiel and mentioned in Revelation. They're creatures that are around the throne of God. They have the appearance of a lion, appearance of an ox, of a man, and of an eagle. Uh, they, like the seraphim, they continually worship that the four living creatures, this is Revelation 4, each of them had six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. I mean, that will give you nightmares. And day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I mean, do you see, it's not just like when they get overwhelmed. It's not just like every now and They can never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I hope that the next time that you sing, that the next time that you engage in, in worship, that you remember that you join in with these beings that you can't even understand, that you can't even fathom, who just continually worship the Lord. And you, you have the opportunity to take part in that. There are two names of angels that we know of from Scripture. Anyone know one of them? Michael is one of them. Good, that was, that was first, so I'm glad you said that one first. Uh, Michael is one of them. Also, he's mentioned in Jude 9, also in Revelation 12. Uh, it's a powerful angel. If you have Jehovah's Witness friends, uh, they will tell you, unscripturally, they will tell you that Michael and Jesus are the same person, the same being, the same thing. Um, that is not true. And you can uh, get into Scripture and say, look, it is not true. Uh, because one is an angel and one is clearly God. That Jesus, we know from Scripture and we know to be true, that Jesus is God. He is Savior. He is Lord. He is not created. But Michael is an archangel who has been created and is not Jesus. And so there's a different, definite uh, differentiation there. The other one, what's the other angel that we know of? Gabriel. Everybody knew that one. He's a little more famous, apparently. Uh, he appeared to Zechariah when uh, his wife was going to have John the Baptist. He also appeared to Mary and said, you're going uh, to have the, be born the Savior of the world. Uh, another time, this is interesting, and if you have your Bible, if you would turn to Daniel chapter 10, uh, I'm going to put it up on the screen, but I, I want you to see it for yourself. Because Daniel had prayed and he had fasted for 21 days, and he got no answer. And you probably have been there. Maybe your 21 days is more like three years. Maybe your 21 days is like your whole life so far. Uh, that you have prayed and you've sought God. You said, God, I need an answer. I want an answer. God, please come through. God, make it make sense. And you just wait and you wonder what is going on. And I want you to see as part of the spiritual warfare that sometimes no answer is really due to the fact of spiritual warfare. Daniel chapter 10, we're going to look at verse 12, just 12 and 13. Gabriel is speaking to Daniel. So now it's been 21 days, and Daniel's been praying, and he's been fasting, and he's been waiting. God, please answer me. Verse 12, then Gabriel said to me, Fear not, Daniel. For, for, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard. 
Some of you need to hear that this morning in your life. That thing that you're praying for, God hears you. And some of it may be it's just not time yet. Some of it may be God is clearly telling you, well, no. But some of it may be that God is saying, it's coming, but, but there's a lot of battle going on for the answer to get to you. Your words have been heard, and I have, become, I have come because of your words. Verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, and this is really reference to Satan or a high-ranking demon. So Satan has withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief priests, who are we talking about? The archangel Michael uh, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of Persia. That Daniel had prayed and he had fasted for 21 days and God, I need this answer. God, I, I need to understand. And, and Gabriel shows up and says, hey, by the way, you've been heard this whole time. It's just, there's been a lot of things going on. There's been a battle raging in, in the spiritual realm that you have no idea, that you don't understand. But, but I've come and I'm, I'm finally here. But know that you've been heard and know that God has sent me. And so sometimes the delay to the answer of your prayer the delay is because something spiritual is going on and you need to keep on praying. You need to keep on seeking. You need to keep on knocking. That eventually the answer will be clear. Eventually uh, it, will, it will be obvious to you, but it may take some time. But I will say as, a, as an aside that if, if the answer is no, and you're like, but God, I really want the Porsche, you may have to stop praying for that. I got lost. Here we go. We're getting closer here. There we go. So that's kind of what angels are. But what do they do? Uh, the first thing that they do, look at well, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all, speaking of angels, ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? That what we see that angels are is that they're ministering spirits. They're ministering spirits that have a purpose. They're kind of like, like Navy SEALs. Kind of like, let's get in. Let's do what God has called us to do. Let's send the message. Let's make this happen and we're out of here. Because what happens is, is that often, and this is what happens in our lives, is that we can worship the messenger as opposed to the one who sent the message. That if you are familiar, and that it was a thing maybe a number of years ago, maybe still today because I, I just don't see it as much, but people that worship angels or have angels on their dashboard, and maybe for good reason they do, uh, but they, that they focus so much on the messenger that they don't, they don't focus on the one who sent the message. But here's some of the things that angels do. They worship and they serve God. We, we already talked about this. Isaiah 6 is one of those places where we can see uh, where they worship, uh, serve God, and they even part of their worship is doing what God has called them to do to, to bring a message to people. Another thing that we see is that they rejoice when a lost person is found. Uh, you remember the parable of the lost coin in Luke chapter 15, uh, where what you find is that when a lost person comes home, when a lost person comes to faith in Christ, that there's, there's a party going on in heaven. Why is there a party going on in heaven? Because coming to Christ is a big deal. Sometimes we don't make it a big deal. Sometimes like, eh, it's a big deal. That big enough that there's a party happening in heaven and we can join in with that party. That we can celebrate when someone who has been lost has now been found in Christ. They rejoice and they actually take great interest. And it's kind of weird. Like you don't think about that. But these angelic beings take a great interest in us. They even, the third thing is they even help some come to salvation 
I will say this, that angels don't preach the gospel. I mean, that's our job. We're plan A. There is no plan B. That we are to make disciples who make disciples, that that's on us. But what we see in Scripture is that God has used angels, God has used messengers uh, to help people to come to Christ. In Acts chapter 8, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down to, from Jerusalem to Gaza. And what does is, what is, uh, Philip encounter? He encounters the Ethiopian eunuch who comes to Christ and ready to be baptized, but it always stemmed from the fact that the angel says you need to go. The last thing, and this is probably what we often think of, is they intervene in times of need. And we see through Scripture that God used angels. Daniel chapter 6, uh, Daniel in the lion's den, where an angel was used to, to keep uh, Daniel safe. Uh, Acts chapter 12, Paul is rescued from p- prison as a result of angel action. Guardian angels. Dun, dun, dun. Some people believe that we all have individual guardian angels that kind of like, that's our wingman. <laughs> yeah, I don't, that's, I thought if, if, if Nate can tell jokes, I can tell jokes. <laughs> They're just not good ones. <laughs> I'm just, uh, individual guardian angels, what we see in scripture is that God sends angels in times of need. God sends angels for a particular purpose. They're not just like, hey, here's your buddy angel until we see you in heaven. It's, this is, this is. it's kind of like in a sports analogy, if you understand sports a little bit, uh, it's not man-to-man defense, it's zone. And if you don't understand that, then talk to somebody that understands sports. But this idea that, that, that it's not like I've been assigned, here's your angel, you know, good luck. It's, it's uh, when times of need, this, these angels might come and do something or send a message or whatever it is, but it's not just, I've got my guardian angel that I talk to, because again, it's not about the messenger, it's about the one who sent the message, so don't get hung up on the messenger. In the process of intervening, they can also take on human form. Uh, this might blow your mind. But Hebrews chapter 13, I don't have it on the slide, but write that down. Hebrews 13, 2. The writer of Hebrews says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. That might blow your mind. Sometimes I wonder. You know, there's been times where somebody that I didn't know shows up and then I never, like... And it's like, what? But you begin to see that maybe God is using that. But you, again, 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 it always goes back to you can't get hung up on the messenger. That may have been the case, but you can't, you can't chase after that. Really, you should be chasing after God. And the last one there is that they reveal God's purposes. I don't know if I put that up already or not. So they worship and serve God. They rejoice when a lost person is found. They help some to come to salvation. They intervene in times of need and they reveal God's purposes that angels have been seen to reveal judgment. Uh, They've been seen to reveal good news. You think of Sodom and Gomorrah. You think of uh, Luke chapter 1. You know that the Messiah is going to be born through you. Those are good things and those are judgment things with Sodom and Gomorrah. So our relationship to angels is important. I mean, it's all been important, but this is our relationship to angels. The first thing is that angels are examples of obedience for us not to be worshipped or sought. Again, message, messenger. Uh, John, uh, the writer of the book of Revelation, 
got so caught up when he uh, was encountered by an angel that he, prob- he did what we would probably do in that moment. Uh, it says this, that then, this is John writing this, he says, I fell down at his feet, meaning this angel who had come to give him this message or show him these things. I fell down at his feet to worship him. And every time I read this passage, I don't know if you remember, I use Karate Kid a lot, I don't know, old school Karate Kid, when he told Danielson to bow, and Danielson like bows and he like doesn't look at him, he like smacks him on the head and he's like, look up. And I think of that in this case, that, that this is, and I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, you, like, psh, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold up the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. So my encouragement and my challenge to you is if you have a little angel that you worship, get rid of it. (laughs) Worship the message, the one who sent the message. Don't worship the messenger. Because they're examples of what it means to be obedient. They're examples of of what it means to worship God and and really worship Him. Uh, But they're not to be prayed to. They're not to be worshipped. They're not to be followed. They're not to be... It just... Don't do it. Second thing is that you need to test everything against the Word of God. Uh, if you watch any amount of TV preachers and other things, and I'm not dogging every TV preacher, don't hear me saying that. I'm just saying, when someone says, God told me, that should be like a big red flag. And be like, all right, God told you what? Let me, let me check against what God has already said Okay, that aligns. That's principally, that makes sense. Uh, if he's like, well, you should send me a million dollars. God told me that. I'd be like, well, maybe a half a million, but not a million. That's ridiculous. Uh, so I need to filter everything that I hear. Because even from me, like, don't just say, take it at face. Well, Joe said it. Never do that. But that you would look at and hear and say, okay, God, what have you already said What have you already made clear? What principles have you already uh, spoken in your word? This doesn't align. Because what you're going to find is that you're not going to have an angel come to you and say something that is is against what God has already said. And if if a message is incongruent with what God has already said, then that person is a liar. Now, they may be mistaken. They may be like, oh, you know what? Sorry, I thought that's what it meant, and, and that's, I apologize for that. But if they're coming and saying, no, it says this or it says that, and it's directly in, con- in conflict with what God has already said, you get to say, you're a false prophet, you're wrong. This is the truth. That's hard in our culture, isn't it? It is. <laughs> because what happens is, is there are things that are sin in our culture that are, not, that are being called not sin. And they say, well, but, but that's like, you know, that's an archaic, like it's, you can't really, tr- it's fair. God's word has stood the test of time and trials and it will continue on because God's word is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Psalm 119 talks about God's word. And you're going to, if you decide to, to follow Jesus, if you're a Christ follower, it is not going to get easier. We've kind of had, even, even me growing up, like in my, in my generation, we've had it pretty easy in America following Jesus. I, I follow Jesus. And everybody pretty much in our culture has been like, yeah, we, we, believe that the, we believe in the Bible for the most part. We believe in God for the most part. But we're entering, if we are, I'm sure we already have been entering, but we're in a time where things are incongruent with God's word. 
And you will have to make a decision at some point whether you truly follow Jesus or you don't. Whether you truly will stand upon His Word or you won't. And my encouragement to you is that you know what's in here and you know what you're standing on. Because there will come a time where you will be challenged. And it won't just be like, I'm not going to be your friend. It will be a time where, yeah, we might be in prison. We might lose our life because we believe what God has said. And are you ready for that? Am I ready for that? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to like, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to be real with that. Galatians, Paul says, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preached to you originally, let him be accursed. If somebody comes along and says the gospel is Jesus plus something else, if somebody comes along and says, you don't need, I mean, if you want to believe in Jesus, that's fine. But if you also want to take the route of just doing a bunch of good stuff and building it all up and hope that that will be okay, that's fine too. Paul is saying, the gospel that we shared with you, the gospel that we spoke, that it is Christ alone, by faith alone, that, that that's the gospel. And if somebody preaches something outside of that, may they be accursed. Because our message is Christ alone. That if we have any hope in this world, it's because of Jesus. If, I'm go- if my sin is going to be forgiven, if I'm going to be in right standing with God, it's because of what Christ has done completely. The Word of God is the source of truth, and we need to test everything in relation to God. Let's make it real before we end here. I don't have, these aren't fill in the blanks. These are just things that I wrote that if you want to write any of them that really hit you, there's three of them. The first one is that you uniquely can experience God's love, grace, and forgiveness. Of all creation, of all creation that's been tainted with sin, you alone can experience God's grace and forgiveness. This is going to become more pronounced next week as we talk about demons, as we talk about fallen angels. But to think that in all of these things, that everything you see will be, one day it will be gone. And will be made new. Even us. But we will exist somewhere for all eternity. And that Jesus died for us, for me, for you. So that my sin, so that your sin might be forgiven. So that I would have, you would have a relationship with God once again. Only through Christ. Jesus didn't die so that angels who had fallen can come back. Jesus didn't die for anybody else but for you. It's important that you understand that. It's important that you receive that, that you put your faith and trust in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sin, that you would be a Christ follower because of Jesus. The second thing is that the spiritual realm is a reality We can't follow Jesus and deny the spiritual realm. Some people say that's just, you know, we make that up so that people be, stay good. Uh, the spiritual realm is a reality. Jesus believed the spiritual realm. Jesus experienced the spiritual realm in the sense while he was here, fully God, fully man, things happened that the spiritual realm uh, was definitely against him. We see him being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Jesus believed it and he taught it and he lived it and we need to too. And the thing that we need to remember, and we've said this before, but that prayer is not something that we do in the battle, but prayer is the battle. 
That if you're going to win this war, if you're going to win against... Because if you're honest, and I hope that you are, uh, walking with Jesus, following Jesus, being a Christ follower is not easy. And we want to blame everything outside of us. We want to blame it on, well, you know, the devil made me do it. We'll talk about that next week. We want to blame it on all these things, these outside things that, that, well, that's why we are, it's because of that. But I'm telling you that a lot of it has to do with sin and that the center of sin, S-I-N, is the letter I. And it has a lot to do with me. But that I need to realize that I'm in this battle and it's a real battle. And Satan wants to destroy me for sure, but the sin that still rages in my heart and in my life that, I, that I'm called to put off and I'm to put on the new self, I still want to hold on to those old things. I still want to hold on to that. Well, that one shirt, you all have, well, guys, guys, guys have that shirt that your wife or your significant other has told you to throw away because it has a hole here and a hole here and a stain here and another stain back there. Like you hold on to those because, but it's from college or it's for that one thing. That's my oil changing shirt or whatever it is. And we hold on to those things and we're like, but I, I just can't get rid of that. It brings back. That's what we try to do when we follow Jesus sometimes is we want to put on that old stinky shirt and say, but you know, I really, the other stuff, and it's the one you've got to squeeze into. We know what shirt we're talking about, right? The one that doesn't fit quite anymore. And the same thing is true in our Christian life as we try to follow Jesus. We try to wear clothes that don't fit because, well, we, it makes us comfortable and, and we really like it, but we know that we shouldn't wear it. We're going to talk about Ephesians. We're going to actually go through Ephesians um, starting in February. Uh, and we're going to dig into a lot of that, of putting off the old. and put, I mean, we talk about it often, but I mean, we're going to dig into it uh, next year. Last thing, and we'll be done with this part. <laughs> we need to seek God in all things, to worship the Creator, not the creation, to, to worship the one who has sent the messenger, not the messenger themselves. That in all things, that I would worship God. I wouldn't worship myself, I wouldn't worship a tree, I wouldn't worship an angel or a demon or Satan or anything that I would worship God. And when I come together to sing together, when I come together to be together, you can worship at home, you can worship, I get all that, but I'm saying when we come into this place, that we as one voice come together and we worship this King who is worthy. And so... My prayer for you today as we start this series, as we dig into this series, to understand that you are unique, that God loves you, that God rescued you in Christ, and that you need to make a decision to follow him. But that also there's a spiritual war going on, and it's real, and you need to to understand that prayer is not something you do in the battle, but prayer is the battle. If you're going to win this war, if you're going to to walk like you should, it's because you're in connection with God and saying, God, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be because of you. And that in all things that you would worship God with all that you are, because he's worthy.